Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're going to waste no time jumping to our VIP line brought to you by Allo Fiber, where we understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. We go there to welcome in our guest, Brian Munson of Husker Online. Brian, feels like it's been a long time since we've been able to catch up. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you guys? Wonderful, wonderful. Good, good to see you. Well, nice. <laughs> we see you. We see your face. We just don't see you personally. Ah, uh, dude, I, if you did, you probably saw me out here sweating down in Texas, buddy. I told That's you what, I was so envious. I was talking to some folks that were out golfing this morning, and I think when they were golfing, it was already like 92 here. And oh, yeah. it's just, it's been, I don't think I've seen a cloud in the sky for over a week. I, I agree. It's been, it's been pretty brutal. I agree. I was just down there this weekend, and I was telling a friend that I did not see a freaking cloud. It was like there was no pr- reprieve, and you think when the night hits, you think you're going to be able to get a cool off, but it'll be mm-hmm. 96 at night, too. So, yeah, you, you don't have any reprieve from that stuff. I, going on. I think I think the most I've seen it cool off at night might have been touching the, the high 80s. There's no breeze. There are no clouds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is, there is no nothing. So it, it's just been, it's been absolutely ridiculous uh, what the temperatures have been like down here in the weather. And I left, like I said, I left Nebraska up there in the middle of July. I know you guys got really, really hot the week after I had left. I probably did that to you guys, but um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed, I really enjoyed those middle high eighty temperatures and the oh, cool yeah. off in the seventies. Man, it was beautiful. I think we're back to that, at least here yes. in Nebraska moving forward. So not to make you jealous. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, we'll let you make everyone else jealous because you're tapped into Husker football recruiting, and that's where we want to head with you here, Brian. Uh, starting with the yes, quarterback, sir. the crown jewel of Nebraska's next recruiting class. You recently wrote about Daniel Kalen, just how he continues to be a strong peer recruiter. From talking to him and listening to him, what do you get from him about how he views his role in building classes at Nebraska? Yeah, he's a facilitator. He's kind of a he's a, he's got a very collaborative spirit. He he loves being involved. He loves having that kind of impact on the on the class. You know, he was very uh, he had a huge huge role to play with Carter Nelson, number one, um, and obviously now he's extending over to Grant Bricks. Um, and I wrote up a story on Grant Bricks earlier, like maybe in the last couple, three hours, uh, mentions of Kalen in there. Um, I, I just feel like he's a guy that wants to put the best foot forward because he knows how much is at stake. He, he really wants the, the best possible class to kind of come together. I think he feels good about things, you know, right now and where things kind of stand. And I think that he obviously is not out there, you know, trying to peddle a bad product. He believes in that rule. He believes in that staff. He, he, he thinks – he thinks that those guys are going to get it done in, in Lincoln, and he would like to kind of go out there and kind of spread the news a little bit and make sure that whomever else is out there that, that's considering Nebraska, that they have kind of this private, you know, person to kind of go to and kind of bounce things against them. I mean, he's 
he's really sat in some pretty important space with, with both the wide receivers in his class, with Grant Bricks and Carter Nelson. And, and I, and I think that he will continue to play a role for, for Nebraska, you know, even after he gets on campus, I think he's just going to be a, a, a huge kind of a recruiting tool for Nebraska to, to go ahead and rely on, because I, I think he just, I think he digs that part of that part of the process. I'm glad you mentioned Bricks. That stood out to me from the Kalen story you wrote. And we'll start with him before we move to another offensive line target for Nebraska. Where are the Huskers at with Grant Bricks? I mean, he's visited a couple of old rivals in Kansas State and Oklahoma before he came to Nebraska. Where do the Huskers sit with him? I think that they still are in the lead. I put in a prediction for Grant Bricks some time ago. Um and I have no reason to back off of that. I, I do believe that he's down to a uh, top three, and it's Nebraska and Kansas State and Oklahoma, three schools that he visited last week. Um, and I just feel like uh, it's uh, two weeks ago, excuse me. I just feel like he's he's kind of kind of come to this realization where he's going to get a chance to play D1 football. They're all three great schools. He really can't make too terrible of a decision. He really has to kind of figure out what are the reasons why he is going to choose one school over the other. Um, and I think that that's really a great process, you know, for him. I, I think ultimately he's such a, he's such a down to earth individual um, that I feel like the biggest thing for him is that he's going to have to let somebody down mm. and he's going to take that very, very hard on himself. And, and it's really unfair for him to kind of think of it that way, but I just don't feel like you could, do anything else to kind of encourage him to, to not feel that way. So um, I, I think Nebraska still is the leader here. I think as things typically go along, geography plays a bigger, a bigger role. It, it kind of starts to increase in, in fact, in, in importance and in value as you kind of keep sliding out the time on the horizontal axis and you're kind of making that line kind of go up gradually for, for, for basically distance from home, it, it really starts to play a larger role. If you're not looking, if you, if you really can't find another way to, to, to get beyond, you know, what, what to consider with Kansas State and Oklahoma and Nebraska, usually it comes back to, well, I'm closer to Nebraska. And, and I think that that's going to be a very big deal as we kind of keep seeing this thing kind of go out time-wise. And, and, I, and I do feel like he's going to, like he told me last night, He's going to commit here before the start of his season. His, his first game is August 25th. So uh, we should know something here, you know, in the next two and a half weeks or so. So uh, I think I think Nebraska fans are, are going to be excited about that one. That attitude you mentioned about not wanting to let anyone down, kind of, you know, conscientious, kind of thinks with the heart about how he affects other mm-hmm. people. Is that something you hear a lot from recruits or is that pretty rare from Grant Bricks? I think it's incredibly rare. I, I know that I know that I have heard before that recruits have said the most difficult part of the process was calling all of the coaches up, you know, because he had developed great relationships with them and told them that he they were going to go someplace else. Um, for Bricks to be struggling with it, like even like right here, like just getting it down to like a top three, and um, it's. It, it's really it's it just talks a lot about their, their their the humanity of it. It talks about you know where they're where they're kind of at. I, I've said it before. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I don't think people really understand. These are sixteen, seventeen year old kids, and 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 when he's when he's not thinking about recruiting, he's 
working the farm and and so many different head of cattle on on their property and he does that all day long and i just don't think that people really get it. i think they just kind of all go back and figure he's a guy playing call of duty sitting back drinking his dr pepper until he goes out there in the football field no not at all this this guy right here is working all day long to help out the family farm and getting ready for his uh, his senior season, and he's got all these other clubs that he is part of with with Future Farmers of America and like Future Business Leaders of America. He is really, really, really this. He's a very different individual in comparison to 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 many of the kids that I talk to on a on a yearly basis. Brian, uh, what are what are some of the areas uh, based on what we were able to acquire in recruiting on this last year and moving forward? Uh, some of the pieces that are coming in. Where do you think are the strongest suits for what we have, and what areas do we really need to address in the next recruiting cycle? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I mean, I think that the numbers were pretty consistent across the board. I mean, you start talking about like maybe where you know you're looking for a guy or two that that needed to you know needs to kind of step up, where you still have maybe that that question about look. You, Nebraska moved Machacek over from offensive line to defensive tackle, and I think that that was that was always that 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 top question for me. I didn't feel like there was a a big body dude, you know, in the class, a guy that can the guy that can definitely play the three. Um, Machacek, can he play the one? He's got a little ways to go to to like Hutmacher role, right? I mean, Hutmacher's a three hundred and twenty three hundred twenty five pound dude. Um, Machacek is, is a very strong guy and a great athlete. And sometimes those guys have ways to kind of hide their weight a little bit, but sometimes you just need a guy to go to work on the, on the, on the zero gap and just kind of, just kind of go eat, um, on the zero and just kind of go eat a little bit. So it's, it's, uh, it's still something to me that I'm a little bit concerned with, you know, where you're, you're lacking that depth. I think Ty Robinson can do it. And I think Hutmacher can do it. And I think that after that, you, Get in some other guys that can maybe spell some people, but they're not really the same kind of looking guy. Um, so I think interior defensive line to me is is still a question. And when you look at the 2024 class and, and how things have kind of come together, I think number one, the numbers at defensive back pop out. I think that uh, when you still look at like the the class itself and, and maybe like where some deficiencies are at, I I think that they're missing a pass rusher. I think that's where a guy like Jay Sean Ross potentially could could uh, could fit in there. That's the Liberty North uh, outside linebacker slash edge guy, the teammate of Keelan Smith, who's the son of Neil Smith. Um, and Jay Sean was actually at practice last Monday, so I I, I think that that's a good sign, um, and I think that that's that's got some that's got some potential there. But Nebraska's got to be concerned about an edge rusher, and I think it's. I think it's really kind of a best available. I mean, you're you're kind of at this number right now with 24. Let's say that you get bricks, you get 25, and now you're looking for an edge guy. Well, that kind of puts you at that 26 number, and then it's like best available dudes. I don't think Nebraska is going to play this game anymore where we can kind of like, you know, accurately look at the number of guys that are that don't have any eligibility left and kind of predict where this class is going to reasonably predict where this thing is going to be at with some level of, of margin of error. I, I think Nebraska is going to, going to recruit the guys that they want, and they'll just find ways to, to kind of make things work within the 85. Talking about that numbers game, especially as we look to next year's class, there's a big target for Nebraska that announced he's coming on an official visit this fall. And that's Brandon Baker, the offensive tackle out of California. 
Brian, I, I want to say it's a good sign that even though he's, you know, not projected to go to Nebraska, I want to say it's a good sign that he's at least taking an official visit. But at the same time, it's you get him or you don't. You know, it's a results-oriented business. How do you view Brandon Baker taking an official? I think it's a great sign, number one, that you have the number one offensive tackle that will take an official visit to your school. It's his third visit in total. Um, <clears throat> I think Brandon Baker really likes Nebraska. I think he really likes the, the coaches there. I think he likes what Matt Rule is building. I think NIL is certainly part of the equation. Uh, I think Nebraska has a compelling NIL situation. It may not be as compelling as others, but I think it's, I think it's there. Um, I think that I think when you when you start to kind of you know look at how the the whole picture and all that stuff kind of comes together, Baker couldn't feel better about getting on the field uh, quicker than any other school on his list than at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He he has to know that the path to the field for him is pretty much come in and just take it, be that guy. Um, so I, I think that that's compelling to him. Um, I don't, I don't think it, you know, I, I think that he's, he's doing things alone. I think people would go, well, you know, his, his teammate just committed to, to Georgia and Frazier and Aiden mm-hmm. Breland probably ends up at, at Oregon, you know, and Aiden Breland visited Nebraska for the spring game and Frazier was there for the, for the junior day in March and, and they were with Baker both times. I, those are separate entities. There, there's really if they end it together at the same school, um, and that's going to be one of those guys. Just those guys made the best decision possible for themselves. It's not really going to ever be a package deal with those modern day guys. So, I think it's a great sign that that Matt Rule in Nebraska have hosted as many guys at their position as they have that are the number one players in the country. Like when it comes to Frazier and it comes to Baker and, and Williams DeWerney and. Um, I'm, I'm missing a couple other guys. I think that were oh, and Rayola too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I feel like it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, you're you're picking up from a four and four win season again, and you have this change in the head coach, and you have no historical basically to show those guys. They are they are literally just buying into what it is that you're telling them and how you are as people and the communication that you're having with them. To tie all this into the news of the last week or so, Brian, with all the conference realignment going on, with the Big Ten now going to not just you know Southern California but the Pacific Northwest as well, yeah. does the entire West Coast open up for you know your non-Ohio State, Michigan schools that already recruit somewhat nationally, or is it kind of the flip side where joining the Big Ten will help these Western schools keep more of their talent home? Interesting. Um... I think it opens up things, obviously. I I think that those kids that wanted to stay home were going to stay home regardless. I I think that there's really interesting things happening in the 2024 class that a lot of people aren't talking about. If take, take for example, USC, Uh, you've got USC there and and Lincoln Riley and and the the talk and the, and the thoughts were obviously that he's going to go in there into Southern California and lock things down. If he's locking things down with Fraser going to Georgia and, and Baker, you know, not considering USC and Aiden Braylon not considering USC and losing out on linebackers like Dylan Williams and Matuti, I don't know I don't know how Nebraska fans would be reacting, you know, if that's if that's what was kind of going on, you know, with them and losing those types of players, you know, and, and them leaving the area. So I think I think what it does, I think it opens up those areas for other Big Ten schools. I think I think you 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 have you have now this reach of, of the Big Ten footprint that goes coast to coast. 
Um, I think we're, we're also, it could really strengthen things for Nebraska is that it's not only like one of those deals where it's like all big teams, all big 10 teams, you know, potentially can go out there. They're all going to chance to see each other, but they know it's not going to be on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. There's maybe a decent chance that when you start talking about conference realignment and what's going to happen inside the big 10, that potentially you're going to have more of a regular schedule with those other teams, just because of where you sit at in relationship to the Eastern side of the schools and being a little bit closer, although I'm putting my air quotes up, closer to uh, to Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA. So I, I, I think that that there could play some into that uh, equation, you know, Nebraska being a little bit more relevant, you know, kind of moving west. Um, but I think Nebraska still, while they want to kind of have that impact nationally and be able to cherry pick, they're still going to go ahead and say that, look, that their bread is buttered within the radius, within the state, I think they still want to be impactful in the state of Texas and, and, and throughout the Sun Belt. But I, I think that this opens up at least another way to kind of go out there and be relevant with those players that don't know a lot about the Big Ten Conference. One last thing for you, Brian. Not all the way out to the West Coast, more the Rocky Range or so. Gatlin Bear commits to Boise State. That's a guy I'd kind of forgotten about a little bit. It fallen off my radar. He's staying home. He's going to Boise State. Was that a, a loss for Michigan, a win for Boise State? Was it an upset? Where does that one fall? I predicted that one, even though I didn't put the prediction in because nice. I, had, I had gotten sick during that time frame. I had told people that I felt like he was going to go end up at Boise State the entire time, but they were always the always the leader. I felt like Nebraska had really gone in there and and shook him up. They, they, he kind of he had his eyes open. I think for as as much as you know, he loved the idea of playing at Boise State. When he came to Nebraska, I think things really started to open up. But I think it came back to you know his faith. The, the the pending the pending trip the pending mission that he's going to have to take his two year mission trip, um, and I think it's just come back to you know wanting to stay a little bit closer to home and, and having some pride about you know about where it is that he is from and going out there and representing. So it's a huge win. It's a huge win for Boise State. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a tremendous loss for Michigan. You weren't it, this was a kind of a stars gathering kind of thing too because you know he wasn't going to have an impact for a couple of years. Things can always change. He can have a change of heart. I think the NIL is still, you know, is still very much a, a, a valid document for him to have to go back and go to Boise State unless he decided that, you know, he wasn't going to report. Maybe put his name in the transfer portal because maybe uh, he decides he wants to be part of the Nebraska Corn Oscars in two years. So something to kind of keep an eye on with him is just going to be where is his heart and his head when he gets done with that mission trip. Good stuff. There's Brian Munson of Husker Online with us. Brian, thanks for spending a little extra time with us. We appreciate all the insight, and uh, we'll keep looking forward to more and more recruiting stuff as we inch closer to the start of actual real football season. And I look forward to staying in better touch with you guys. It's good to hear your voices again. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. Brian Munson, Husker Online with us here on The Block. A lot of good stuff there, Strick. We turn it over now, though. Too old school for the crossover. Jay Foreman waiting in the wings. DP back in the building from SummerSlam. Let's cross it over. Maybe get to some text on the Sarder Heyman text line next. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 